Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. We're going to be switching gears today and talking about fire. If you missed some of our last episodes, be sure to check them out on our website or whichever platform you stream on. Today, though, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with CCA Fire Subcommittee Chair Anthony Sornetta. Thanks for joining me, Anthony. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm excited to be on the Central Coast with you talking about the good work that your team is doing. For those of you who don't know Anthony, he is a cattle rancher in San Luis Obispo County. He recently served as the Slow Cattlemen's President, and he's also a battalion chief for Santa Barbara County Fire Department. Over the past year plus, he has served as the head of the CCA Fire Subcommittee, which President Tony Toso calls an all-star team and Anthony is leading that team. Anthony, first, can we talk a little bit about how you balance all of those roles? Well, uh, I think we need to go back a little bit and and first talk about when this was all set up with scope and everything. Yeah, perfect. With Dave Daly, Mark Lacey, and then Tony Toso, all those gentlemen had a lot of momentum to get it going. So that's where we picked up was from them initiating everything. And I would say how we deal with all this is we we have a great team, really good team. We have Uh, local ranchers on this team. We have UC Cooperative Extension on this team, scholars on the team. So we're looking at all avenues and a lot of these people, they're working on Senate bills, assembly bills, and have a lot more education than I do. So I really rely on that team quite a bit. Yeah. How many people are on this team? Uh, There's about 22 right now from all industries, side of the industry. So with the CCA Fire Subcommittee, I know we've talked about on this podcast before that last year we had two really great successes that kind of stemmed from this team. One was a law signed by Governor Newsom enabling the development of a county livestock ag program um, to ensure ranchers access to livestock during wildfires and other emergencies so they can move them, feed them, et cetera. And then the other law that was put into place as well at the beginning of this year reduces prescribed fire practitioners' liability risk. Can we give a little bit of background on those bills, if they're working now that they are law and kind of they're doing what they're intended to? Yeah. uh, First, we'll start with the livestock pass. That was AB 1103. That one had some really good momentum and it it went really well. I think there was enough urgency out there with, with all the wildfires and devastation to really push it. And there was a lot of bipartisan support. And I think that's what drove it through. Uh, for us from the fire subcommittee standpoint, we were able to put together some curriculum and share that curriculum. So we've been talking and collaborating with fire commissioners and also ag commissioners across the state. And I know that CCA sponsored a couple of really good webinars uh, where we actually got to reach out. So I think currently across the state, there's probably 15 different programs. And there may be some variance between a livestock pass and uh, the ag pass. Some counties adopted something where they helped out irrigated crops and things like that instead of just not livestock. And I think most of this stems off of local cooperation and relationships. So working with Cal Fire, the Sheriff's Department, I know for us in Santa Barbara County and San Luis County here is we both adopted what was called an Ag Pass, even though the protection's really under the Livestock Pass, and that's what came out of um, the hearings was the Livestock Pass and adopted. But there's been a lot of support. Um, and then on the Dixie Fire, the Caldor, there was a lot of that emphasis put on there. And I know multiple counties utilized it. A lot of good success. CHP's on board. Can there be more training and more information gathering? Absolutely. And right now is that time of year uh, for Lance. San Luis County. We're meeting again right now with all of our cooperators just to make sure we're all on the same page. Santa Barbara County, same thing. But talking to Tracy Shore up north, she's been very, very uh, instrumental in getting those programs going. And I'm sure many people in the North have dealt with her. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, I remember getting calls, I think in 2020, if just no one knew who to talk to. Yeah. And I'm sure 
that wasn't the first year that happened. Right. And then like Tracy said, she's all some counties didn't have programs. So those counties were calling her and now she's doing the research for those counties during the actual fire. So I think everyone's working together really well. So the livestock pass, I think was very successful. And uh, this year, I just spoke to state fire training because with this bill, there's a curriculum part of it, like Senate Bill 1260. I just spoke to state fire training two weeks ago, and they're looking at putting a curriculum together uh, sometime in July, August. And it'll probably look very similar to the curriculum we've already developed. And he temporarily was bought off on a four-hour course because we want to keep it at something that can be taken by anyone and not an overcommitment of two days or three days. So. Yeah, that's great to hear. So with that course for the county like Santa Barbara County that already has something in place, will they have to change anything or will they get to honor what they already have? Yeah, there's some historical recognition in there where they can honor what they have. Just moving forward, we'll follow one curriculum and that's what this will do. But just doing that, like that local cooperation, it's working really good. That's so great to hear. So what about Senate Bill 332? What's moving on that? So Senate Bill 332, that was the prescribed fire liability bill Um, that was passed. And actually, it was passed, but it didn't have what all the appropriations and what the scope of the bill would be and who gets who can apply for those claims. So right now, Senate Bill 926, we put in some support letters last week for Dodds, and they're trying to push that through right now. And then that'll that'll state what practitioners are covered, uh, the scope of it, what the amount is per claim. So it'll put really dictate all the parameters of the SB 332 and the liability claim. So we have to have that new bill go through, correct, to really get SB 332 running? Correct. For the liability side of it. Uh, but we also had Senate Bill 1260 a couple of years ago. That was the prescribed fire bill that developed a burn boss program. It was going well. We put on a class May of last year, and then we ran into some problems with certification of the candidates that came through. And just so everyone knows, the first class was for mostly prescribed fire practitioners that currently do it. And I mean, there was some world renowned people in the class. Yeah. A gentleman from Argentina, I believe is where he was from. I mean, these guys uh, were well qualified. Um, some individuals from Firestorm that do a lot of burning back in the Midwest. But once we put all those through, there was some problems on the Cal Fire and State Fire training side where everything got stalled out. Um, but right now, as of a month ago, we're back on track. They certified them, but they're not qualified yet. So once you go through the class, you get a certification and then you get a task book. Once you get that task book, you have to go out and perform some tasks under supervision. And at that point, you can get qualified as a burn boss. So our first class was mostly fire practitioners from all different organizations. The next class probably be focusing more on ranchers. And there's a list of classes that are prerequisites for this one. And I've got a, a lot of phone calls for those classes. Uh, and I can explain that to anyone. So at the end here, I'll, I'll give you my phone number. If anyone has a question on the burn boss program, how to go about that. I'd be happy to share how you do that. Yeah. When will the next next class go through that? We're mm-hmm. hoping for fall. I know Linya. Linya's been a great advocate and person on our fire subcommittee. She wants to get one going right now. The only problem is there's three of us instructors right now in the state, and it's tough right now because we're teaching all our other classes because there's prerequisites to this, and we're teaching some of those prerequisites now. So moving forward, in addition to continuing those programs and continuing to work on that, What does the CCA Fire Subcommittee have planned as priorities for 2022 throughout the year? Yeah, some of our priorities, and and we have probably 10 or 11 priorities, which is a lot. I mean, there's there's quite a few. Each one's pretty in-depth. Let's start with the legislative ones. Kirk Wilbur and CCA, they, they deserve all the credit on this. They're the ones that keep us informed of what's going on and what's coming through. And as those come through, we try to write support letters, provide input on on those letters. And again, we have 
a vast amount of knowledge on the fire service committee. So we kind of put it to those people that um, can share the knowledge uh, in those bills. Um, that's it on, the, on the list of side. The, the insurance side of stuff, we're still working quite a bit on that and coming up to Commissioner Lara's office is some things, not really in a Senate bill or assembly bill form, but from the fair plan side. So the fair plan keeps getting updated more and more. Uh, it wasn't that great. It's getting better where it's at now. It can still improve. Just recently as last week, they came out and said that uh, now there's barns can be covered, packing houses, personal property. There was a lot of effective changes, and this was February 1st of 22 that they did this change. So there's been many revisions, and they're slowly getting there. And, and I got to say that from our local standpoint, our Farm Bureau and, and Brent Burchett, uh, we've been working really close on that because the collaborative approach and the unified you know, voice is working well from St. Louis County, and I'm sure across the state from the CCA office as well. I hear you guys talking to them quite a bit, but I think that united front and we're all wanting the same thing and pushing for, you know, the same end game here. Yeah, definitely. We definitely need people to stop being canceled and having no insurance. Yeah. And, and that was, there is a Senate bill related to it. It's Senate bill 11 is what that one. What else is on your guys' list for this year? Uh, we're going to continue with our PBAs, our prescribed burn associations, range improvement associations. There's been a lot of push and momentum on that. Currently there's 17 across the state. There's some counties that have multiple prescribed burn associations, like Humboldt has a few. And I, that's where, because the lag in the burn boss and getting prescribed fired yeah. needed, those PBAs are our avenue to do that. Uh, and there's prescribed burn practitioners that some will come out for free, some charge, but I would contact your local PBA. And there's new ones forming all the time. Again, if you guys want a current list, you can go to calpba.org and then you can get a current list. Our big push is to continue with the prescribed fire. There's some grants this year. Under the forest health mitigation, uh, there's quite a bit of money out there prescribed. Right? They're, they're looking for large projects, if, like a 3,000-acre project. So if any of you guys have those, please let me know. We're looking for some people um, to do something like that. I've talked to Mark Lacey and a couple of local ranchers here about meeting that size. Um, but they want big scope. Um, if you're doing forest restoration and things like that, they're looking at 800 acres. So if any of you guys out there have some forest prop or some personal property with some timber and things like that and you want to do some uh, forest health or mitigation on it. There's grants for that. Uh, if you just look up uh, forest health or Cal Fire grants, there's a lot of information on there. There was a webinar just posted recently about biomass energy and and uh, wood products, and there's grants for that as well. Is it a pretty hefty application to apply to that, or what's kind of the process look like, or does it depend on the grant? It depends on the grant, but it's a state application, so okay. uh, it, it gets funded by the greenhouse gas. That's part of it. Um, there's some CARB funding, so along with that comes some paperwork. But uh, on this webinar just recently, uh, they explained it quite a bit, and it's posted still on CAL FIRE's website. Uh, it's about an hour and a half webinar that goes through uh, who qualifies, the scope, and everything like that. Okay, we'll be sure to post that URL as well so people can find it really easily. That's a lot for one subcommittee. Yeah. But I'm sure there's more. Oh, there's more. You want to hear about some? Yeah. Okay. Some other stuff we're working on is uh, post-fire management collaboration. These last few years have been pretty devastating, but it seems like the resources really aren't available post-fire. Um, like who do you talk to about repair and fence, or what do you turn your claims into? A big one, and we've worked with RTAP on this as well. On that one, there are people trying to get back on forest permits, BLM permits, and they don't know the process. Part of the problem is there's not good data and science that they're using. Uh, UC Cooperative Extension has a lot of that good, good information, but they're not following it. Some of the agencies say you have to wait two years. Other ones are out there looking at the ground and walking it with the 
the leasee and they're putting animals back on, but we need to have a clear defined path forward and how we deal with that post-fire mitigation. I think that's a huge one for us. I think that's so huge, oh my goodness. unfortunately, with how many acres burned. Yeah, and I know that you're personally affected by that and the Dixie Fire and a couple others up there. And talking with your dad, I know he's very passionate about getting that moving forward, too. And uh, at the fire subcommittee meeting in, in Reno, your dad provided a lot of great input for us. Um, it's just getting everyone together, and it's hard these past couple of years where everything's just, you know, on the Internet or we're doing Zoom. Just getting people in, in person to really have those passionate discussions is very, very productive. I think. Yeah, I think it's hard, too, when there's so many factors. I mean, are you on Forest Service land? Are you in BLM land? How hard did it burn? So you probably can't just look up the answer. Yeah, it, that is that is tough. And from us, from a state level, we're trying to work here locally. And I know Dave Daly is working at the federal level and, and national level on a lot of stuff. And he's been a great advocate getting that information out. And I think that's going to help us. I know that's going to help us in the long run. Rancher's Handbook, that's still coming forward. That'll talk about how to mitigate, prevent fires, uh, how to deal with fires as they approach your local ranches and then post-fire mitigations. It goes over some safety stuff as well. If you plan to stay, here, here's what those triggers are. To okay. So that Rancher's Handbook, come all that. So that's coming forward. It'll talk about disaster resources and not only what resources we provide, but FS, FSA and some of the state programs. Uh, and another big one in this is something Tony and I have talked about quite a bit is the environmental activism. There's so many people out there saying that grazing is bad and we don't need grazing. Well, if you look at fire intensity, fire and frequency and how disastrous things become, yeah, you can go back on climate change. But when you really look at it, it's we're not taking care of our lands. It's uh, urban encroachment in the lands that were never uh, made for structures and we're always grazing. So that's why we're having disastrous stuff. There's a little bit of drought in there as well. Um, and failure for uh, some of these environmental activist groups to prevent us from grazing. Are we seeing a little bit of pushback on that and a little bit of a shift towards grazing being cool again? At least it's cool with goats. I don't know if it's cool with cows yet, but are we seeing a little bit of a shift? Even the governor, I think in his budget, Kirk said he had a slide that mentioned grazing. I think there's there's a push from that side, but when all these fires hit, the bipartisan support for like 332 and 1103 I think that's overwhelming right now. And if you look at the amount of money that are in grants and supporting of the wildfire resilience, I mean, there's like 250 million there. And I've heard, even heard rumor for Cal Fire and all the cooperators, it's 1.4 billion out there for funding. For So I think they're realizing that. For me personally, if you look right across the street here, we have what's called our Prismo Preserve. That's a land conservancy. They haven't had cattle on that for many years. Well, Aaron Lazanoff myself leased that now. So they're even the land conservancy is looking at those benefits. And I think that's those things that we need to advocate for is get out there and the people see them and they enjoy it. But we also need to take the time and talk about it, too, as those people are walking and hiking those trails is not getting mad that they're in the way. But, you know, educating them, that's our perfect opportunity. That is a perfect opportunity. Are your cattle out there right now? No, they'll go back next month. So they don't like them during the rainy season because of the trails. But I think you should get out there and hike it. It's only across the street. And, and the last thing is we have a new Cal Fire director. Many of you probably heard Friday. Uh, Joe Tyler was selected. He was in-house. He was deputy director for a number of years. Um, there was some discussion on our fire subcommittee that it'd be nice to get some change in there, some from the outside. And they were looking at some different people that we heard rumor of. And there's benefits of that. But I think with all the money on the table right now, having that consistency of getting someone in there and getting them going right away, uh, there's some pros of that. So there's pros and cons either side. But now we finally have a director. I feel like we've been kind of stalled out in some movement. So now we have a director, no matter who it is, we can start those talks and move forward. That's kind of it in a real quick 
nutshell. In a real quick nutshell. The subcommittee calls go a lot longer than this, but thank you for boiling it down for us. I am going to talk with Lenya. So for those of you who don't know Lenya, she's on the subcommittee, but she's just a rock star in pretty much all areas of fire, I would say. So we'll be talking with her a little bit more about some of the prescribed fire she's been doing this winter and get an update from her in a few weeks. Other than that, Anthony, I did have one more question and we kind of talked about it a little bit. But unfortunately, you did get to spend a lot of time up in my area on the Dixie Fire. What is something about working on fires that you wish ranchers knew or maybe just something that is a little bit of a myth? Um, Anything that you think you could share about working on a fire that would help them understand from your perspective what goes on? What would you share? Uh, I would share in in kind of 1103, it'd be 1103, the livestock pass kind of bridges this gap. But I would say partnerships and relationships from the very beginning, I mean, I would hope that local jurisdictions, whatever fire agency that may be, if you're BLM, Forest Service, CAL FIRE, or with us down here, that you have talks before something comes through of what that looks like, how you gain access, how do you get in, what do you do post-fire. And if you have a face-to-face conversation, they put a face in the name. And I know for the counties around here, if they recognize a local rancher, they can get in a lot easier than most. I mean, granted, uh, like the Dixie Fire had... Uh, police departments from San Jose and CHP in San Francisco, they're not going to know that. But if you go to the table with the local CAL FIRE people, I think it makes a huge advance. And I'm saying CAL FIRE because most of them are out there or on the federal lands and develop those relationships early. I think that's the biggest thing. It doesn't always work, but I mean, at least at least they know that you're a player in the area. Um, there's other programs where everyone's writing down where their leases are at and their cattle are. So stuff like this, you can, they can contact you a lot faster. I think that's the probably the biggest myth and shortcoming. The other side of it, I think, is a communication thing is there's what's called the management burns that, you know, some of the federal agencies do. And I know that makes a lot of us ranchers mad when they say it's management and they don't suppress it. So there's something on the fire stream we're working on. I forgot to even talk about it, but it was about uh, the let burn resolution. Sherry Brennan pushed uh, something forward for us in Tuolumne County about no more management. Like we want direct suppression. Uh, we just need to word it in a way where we can continue with prescribed fire. Because if we say no management burns, that kind of takes out prescribed fire. So it's going to be some tr- tricky verbiage. But I think that this is one thing Dave Daly's working on the national level and us at the state level. If we can put together some resolutions and move forward, that's something that really makes us mad is when they say wildfire management. We'll look for an update on that in the coming months. On the point you made about being connected with the local law enforcement and just being connected on a community level, it kind of relates back to what I was talking about with Hannah from the Ag Alliance. It's the same thing in activism. The name of the game is Be Prepared. I think that'll do it for today. Okay. Thank you for having me, Katie. And uh, I think these podcasts are very beneficial. Maybe not me talking, but from the other people and listening to what they have to present. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anthony. We'll let you get back to work and doing all the good things that you do. Thanks.